Getting out in the community and meeting other like healthcare practitioners, personal mm -hmm. trainers, things like that, I had pretty good success with. That was probably the biggest bang for my buck. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer, and today my special guest is Jessica Wernicke. Jessica is a physical therapist, pelvic floor therapist in Austin, Texas, and her business is called Pace Physical Therapy. So Jessica, uh, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Well, I was I sent you a message uh, a few weeks ago because I've been seeing what you've been doing growing uh, on Instagram and helping patients, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I was like, I need to get you on the show because there's some things that you're doing that are clearly working and connecting with people. So I appreciate you being here. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us, I, I want to know like your physical therapist. So like, why'd you choose physical therapy? <laughs> like, was there like a story or something that happened that you were like, Oh, I'm doing physical therapy instead of going to work for the bank. <laughs> yes. So I've been pretty active my entire life. So I grew up kind of understanding, you know, how much I liked movement and exercise and the mm -hmm. value of it. And probably like a lot of other fellow PTs, had my fair share of injuries growing up playing sports. Um, and probably the most significant one was my senior year of high school. And in that time, as I was working with my physical therapist, I was able to appreciate the fact of how important physical therapy was itself in my life at, you know, just from the physical to be able to walk again, but also from the mental and the psychological component. And so I was like, oh, well, this is a cool career. She gets to, you know, work with people and do exercise, but also make mm -hmm. a big impact in how they're feeling. So senior year of high school, I was like, okay, this is what, this is my path. I know I want to do PT. How do I figure out, you know, what route to take to get me there? But yeah, since then I was just like, okay, no other, nothing else really kind of came into mind. I was pretty mm -hmm. set on PT from there. Yeah. So. So you had a pretty positive physical therapy experience. I did. Yes. Yeah. Thankfully. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, now working with patients and hearing so many different stories of what they've experienced, I'm so grateful that my, you know, one main PT experience was so positive and so helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So you go to undergrad and then straight into PT school or do you do anything I did. different? Yeah. Yeah. And I stayed in state primarily cause I didn't want to, you know, take on all the loans and mm -hmm. whatnot. But it was nice. It was a good experience. It was definitely a good challenge, but it, the whole time I knew it was the right place that I needed to be at. So, yeah. So did you graduate and go, know that you were going to go into business for yourself or did you mm -hmm. think something else was going to happen? No, actually never even considered being a business owner, to be honest. I've always been sort of like the leader, mm -hmm. but I I guess I had good PT experiences, so I never really thought about it from the business aspect. And even when I took my first job from PT school, it was your typical corporate setting, but it was only PTs and patients. We didn't have techs or aides or things like that. So even though we would see two people an hour, 
it was, it, it could have been worse than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in that experience, I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's not bad. Your first year out of school, you're just so excited, you know, to have a job anyways, yeah. um, especially in Austin because everybody wanted to live here. And so not till a few years in when I was doing more of the managerial role at my clinic and dealing a little bit more with the corporate structure and realizing just how uh, favorable it was not for the little people like I was, um, I kind of started thinking, okay, I'm getting burnt out. I'm only three Mm -hmm. years out of school. What, what do I need to do? Is this like not the right path for me? It's not like there was any other setting that I really saw myself in either um, or any other company that I thought would be better off to work for. And so right about that time, I was like, okay, well, what else is out there from a PT standpoint? Basically Googled something to do with cash-based PT. Mm -hmm. I don't even know the terms. And you were one of the first names that popped up. So I was like, oh, what is this? Let me explore this route. And then through that, just kind of found your podcast, Mm -hmm. a couple other people out there and started just learning this whole new world of opportunity. And then, you know, from that point when I knew, knew there were other options and other possibilities, I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to make this work because I love PT. I want to do PT, but I'm burnt out in corporate. Yeah. So here I am. What was, what was the thing that was causing you to feel burnt out? Like, was it numbers of patients? Was it um, your ideas or was there something? You know? So part of it was the number of patients. I mean, 15, 16 a day is pretty common. Um, mm-hmm. It's not awful. But when you do that five days a week, you know, every day of the month, you get tired. And then in addition to that, I w- was, I, I technically was the manager of my clinic, but I wasn't paid as the manager. And I mm-hmm. also wasn't, like my patient care hours were not dropped because of that. And I'm just, you know, assuming, okay, well, this is going to you know, pay off in the long run, they're going to recognize me for something or give me a pay raise for something Mm -hmm. in a year of doing that. And nothing changed, nothing happened. Promises were just never kept. And so I was like, okay, well, I can't do this manager thing and give good quality patient care and do my continuing education that I want to do and just, you know, grow more as a person in this environment. Um, So I think it was just kind of, I hit a point where I felt like, okay, there's no other option here. I got to get out. in order to maintain this career. Yeah. So what was it about starting your own business that was so attractive? Being my own boss, Mm -hmm. for sure. And being able to provide the type of care that I knew every person deserved. Mm -hmm. But I knew that you, even the best of therapists can't provide it in a typical insurance-based busy setting. It just, we're not structured to do that. Um, so as hard as I tried to give good quality care, I knew I could always do better. Yeah. Plus, I also wanted to meet my patients and work with them on a deeper level than just, okay, well, you've had chronic shoulder pain or chronic back pain. Let me treat it and get you better and then mm-hmm. let you go. I wanted to figure out, okay, how can I connect this to what you're doing in your life? What is important to you? What your goals are? You know, How the rest of your body, how the rest of your health is? Um, And so I was very interested in that full holistic type of treatment that just owning your own business would allow you to do better. Well, I guess then, you know, that's great and all, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) it's not as easy said as done, right? Mm -hmm. So what was it about you that you knew like this? Did you know you were going to be successful or were you like, I'm just going to take a chance at this and see if it works? 
So I didn't know how I was going to be successful, but I knew I was going to make it work in some way, Mm -hmm. shape or form. And I kind of like I debated between, you know, dropping down to part time at my corporate clinic and, you know, trying to do a side hustle thing. And then, you know, part of me was just like, I think the best route is for me to go all in, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, it's going to be scary and intimidating, but I've been prepping for this mentally for a few months. And I think it's going to make me more successful sooner if I just go straight in and like my life yeah. is on the line, my career is on the line. So I have to figure out how to make it work. Right. Um, so that was my thinking. And then it forced me to take action to make mm-hmm. it work. So what did you do? Like, did you just quit your job? Did you have like savings? Did you have someone else around that could catch you if you didn't work? You know? um, yeah, so I had a couple options, or I guess things that I had put in place. So before I quit my job, probably a few months before I quit my job, I got your blueprint and I mm-hmm. started do it, going through you know everything to just have a better understanding of what was out there and what I needed to do to be successful. So that helped me feel more confident by the time I put in my notice and was out on my own. In addition, I was also saving for the fact that I'm not going to be having a steady income for, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows how long. And then I also had a lot of support from like, my boyfriend was very supportive. My family was very supportive. And so I knew I could rely on them um, to get at least my feet under me and get going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Because, you know, a lot of people have trouble with the, with the risk or Mm -hmm. with the fear. And, And then some people don't because as physical therapists, we have almost have it too easy where it's like, I could just go get a job at the hospital exactly. and make $80,000, right? Exactly. Not that Yeah. Far. And I was like, you know, if I need to supplement with home health or something, fine, I'll do it. I wasn't mm-hmm. opposed to that, but I definitely wanted to try just going all in first and see mm-hmm. what would happen. Yeah. And how long did it take for you to feel like, okay, I don't need plan B? So I think it was like my third or fourth month and I had met what I was making from a salary standpoint. Mm -hmm. So it only took a few months of actual treating patients. Um, There were a few months where I just, I didn't treat any patients. Like I took a break from Mm -hmm. working because I needed to decompress. Um, And so in that time, you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what route of marketing am I going to take? You know, I've heard what works, what doesn't work. So there was a little bit early on, but honestly, after a few months of treating, I was like, nope, this is going to work in some way, shape or form. So just keep at it. So you're like a kind of person that's just like, okay, I know what I want and I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where else does that show up in your life? Like, is there something else besides your business that you've worked really hard for that you're like, okay, I got to figure this out. I think in general, I've been like that throughout all my schooling. I'm also the oldest of seven kids. And so I took that role very seriously. I still do. Wow. So you have six siblings. Yes, I do. And so I wanted, I always just wanted to be like a good role model for them and show them, you know, you can honestly do whatever it is you want to do. You have to be happy in life and, you know, whatever it takes to get there. So I've just kind of had that um, rooted in Mm -hmm. my personality, I think. And and so it just carries forward with everything, you know, business-wise, but also just like, hobby wise or whatnot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What was the hardest thing for you, uh, about getting your business off the ground? Like what was the thing that was the most difficult part of it? I would say probably the biggest thing was marketing because you, 
don't really have to market in corporate PT the same way. And even if you do, it's, you know, your typical doctor lunches type thing. And so for me, it was figuring out, okay, I have so many options to do for marketing. How do I put my, like the best time and effort into, you know, the top ones that are going to be effective mm -hmm. for me. And so early on, I did a little bit of most things just to figure out what I liked. Mm -hmm. And then, um, kind of went with what was working and what I felt like I could sustain, yeah. um, you know, as I got busier actually treating patients. Yeah. Awesome. Was, what was something that you did, whether it was early on or even yesterday that you thought was going to work, but didn't, you know, and some people might consider like a, a failure. Well, so right now my online stuff, like my online consultations are going well. Mm -hmm. um, and I also have like a postpartum program, which I'm kind of half putting effort into half not. Yeah. It's taken a backseat a little bit. But initially when I put it, when I was putting it together, I was doing so because I had a handful of girlfriends who had just had babies or were currently pregnant. And, you know, they're asking me all these same questions. I'm like, okay, well, you guys clearly ha have questions and issues about this topic. Let me just put time and effort into this to help you guys. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've done a lot of, learning and listening to people that have successful online programs. So I understand the value of, you know, having your audience, um, you know, making sure it's something that's necessary and needed mm -hmm. before you put all this time and effort into it. And I was kind of like, well, I have my five people audience. Okay. I'm just going to make this like the best I can and give yeah. it to them. So I think now looking back at it, cause obviously it's not paying me a million dollars a year and uh -huh. it took a lot not of time. Yet. <laughs> um, exactly. So I think I would have been a little bit, put a little bit less effort into it initially, mm -hmm. given them a little bit of something because that would have been more than what they had yeah. and let them and their, you know, experiences and critiques and word of mouth kind of help shape the rest of the content that I put into it. I definitely think all the content in it now is good and it's helpful and I've received good feedback, but it just took so much time up front mm -hmm. that you know, maybe I could have hired my PT sooner or I could have done something else a little bit earlier had I not spent so much time and effort into right, that. Right. Um, but you know, you live and you learn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, sometimes, you know, the, it's like what we think people need or what we know people need isn't what they think they want. They need. Exactly. You know, right. Exactly. Do you see that in other areas of your business and like the marketing you've done? Yeah. And also too, just learning how to communicate correctly for whatever the person uh, that you're talking to mm -hmm. needs to hear or how they learn. Because, you know, I could think my patient needs the same thing that they're trying to tell me, but if I don't get that across to them correctly, then we're not going to be on the same page and, right. you know, just not going to work well together. Yeah, And they don't get buy-in because they don't think you know what's wrong. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So um, I, let me go back to the, you said like the, the marketing. I just want to know like, what was the marketing that worked the best for you? Getting out in the community and meeting other like healthcare practitioners, personal mm -hmm. trainers, things like that. I had pretty good success with, that was probably the biggest bang for my buck. Um, and then through that, I would meet certain people or word of mouth would travel, which was helpful. Yeah. So early on, that's what I spent a lot of my time doing once I realized how valuable it was. And then it wasn't until, you know, multiple months into my mm -hmm. business did I start doing a little bit more social media and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then that is helping a lot now too. Right. Um, and then I also spent a decent amount of time early on making my website, um, 
I don't know, helpful, attractive, mm -hmm. like, you know, worked on the SEO a lot. And that has paid off a lot. Like yeah. there's, it's a lot more hands off now. And it just, you know, people come to me so easily from that. So I think that was probably one of the most important, mm -hmm. but challenging things that I did early on. Awesome. How do you know that your patients are coming through your website? How do you know that it's working for you? So I track a lot with all the analytics mm -hmm. uh, and then with every like inquiry I get, whether it's an online request or a phone call, we're asking how they found us. Mm -hmm. Some people too, when they're in person, I'm asked like if they found me on Google, I want to know what search words they use right. or if they live near me. So just kind of looking at all of that has helped me understand, you know, it is helping, um, especially if we do a little bit less SEO one week or one month, I can track, you know, the dip in calls or website visits and things like that. So mm -hmm. just trying to stay on top of that yeah. the best we can. Are you using Google analytics to do that? Or are you doing a spreadsheet? How are you tracking your analytics? Um, and So I look at Google analytics for most of it. And then we will track just with a spreadsheet, you know, inquiries versus people that actually call up, like we get on the phone versus mm -hmm. people we actually schedule. Yeah. Um, so we're, tr I'm trying to do a better job at actually tracking all the metrics, but I mean, it, there's so many things in the business that's <laughs> like, okay, let me see how much I can stay on top of this. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I get to, I get like a, a dozen questions. I'm trying okay. to keep them in order in my <laughs> head. You know, my head does all this thing where it'll have like 10 ideas at once. I'm going to ask you why pelvic floor PT? And it, it, I think you guys do ortho and pelvic floor and I know yes. there's a continuum of care, but you know, like, was there something that like you encountered as a student or working that you're like, I got to specialize in pelvic floor PT because I know not everyone wants to do it. Right. So I actually, so I did an OCS residency, mm -hmm. um, very ortho heavy, loved ortho, but I also love learning more and new challenges and, you know, different change of pace. And I didn't start pelvic floor therapy until last year. So I was already, you know, in my business and part of it correlated with the fact that more of my friends were having babies. So it was more of a mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. But then also too, from a business standpoint, I was like, well, there's literally one go-to clinic in Austin for pelvic floor therapy and mm -hmm. they're always booked out for months. So let me take some courses, see how I like it. And then if it's something I, I like, great, I can incorporate it and offer, you know, that type of specialty as well. And so right. part of it was just my interest to better learn that area of the body because we really don't learn much of it in school. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it was, you know, purely business. I could offer an extra service that you can't find everywhere. Yeah. That's awesome. I was going to ask earlier, one of those questions I was trying to figure out, it's like, well, I know a lot of other cash practices in Austin, Texas, yes. right? And people say to me all the time, Aaron, there's already a cash practice down the street. And I was going to say, how do you differentiate yourself? Mm -hmm. and likely one of those ways is doing pelvic floor, but like really like, is there something yeah, I can go to the hospital. I'm sure I could go to the other clinic. Like, yeah. how do you guys, like the bigger question is, how do you guys differentiate yourself and how do you communicate that to the public? Mm -hmm. So we are pretty holistic, which even just putting those words on my website mm -hmm. and putting it in SEO, I didn't realize how many people, especially in the Austin area, like that type of healthcare. Yeah. So that was a big thing that we talk about, just kind of you know, really finding the root cause, really connecting your full body, turning, you know, a shoulder pain patient into a lifetime patient because they want to, you know, feel better moving with all these other areas of their body. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of obviously adding in the pelvic floor was 
something different. Um, I am currently our practice is inside of a private gym. Mm -hmm. So we also have the opportunity as opposed to some other cash practices here who are more brick and mortar or mobile. Um, I'm inside of a private gym. So we have great gym equipment access as well as, you know, private treatment rooms. And it kind of, I was like, okay, I know I like this ortho stuff. I love the weight training stuff. This pelvic floor stuff is very interesting. What do I do to put it all together and mm -hmm. make myself stand out? Um, yeah. So a little awesome. bit of all of that. Cool. So when someone asks you what you do, <laughs> like mm -hmm. someone on the street, one of the moms or, you know, one of your friends say, Hey, Jessica, what do you do? What do you, what, what do you tell them? Like, what's your elevator pitch? What's your, like, how do you tell them? And mm -hmm. cause I can't say, look, I, I do pelvic floor therapy, but mm -hmm. what the hell is, I don't know what that is. I don't have that problem. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you, what do you tell them in that conversation? Typically I'm like, I tell them I help Peter. Well, I help people better understand their bodies mm -hmm. and learn how to move and feel good. And That's then awesome. sometimes, you know, they'll be like, oh, okay, are you a trainer or what do you do? And I typically never lead with, oh, I'm a physical therapist because then you lose half the people. They're like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, I went to physical therapy once and <laughs> whatever. So I typically just try to relate it to the fact that, oh, I'm helping people understand their yeah. bodies and feel, how to feel good. Yeah, That's awesome. So um, tell me more, how did you grow your business and specifically through social media or mm -hmm. other marketing things so that you felt comfortable hiring someone else? Mm -hmm. So with the social media, I'm primarily on Instagram and it was just something that I knew I had to be consistent with. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to put out quality information. And so that is probably one of the most time consuming things I do, but I, from a very early stage, I just got so much good feedback from it, both locally and, you know, other places around the country. And some of it has been great for patients, but also it's been really good for me to meet other, you know, healthcare practitioners or like-minded, um, you know, online coaches and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I was just really focused at like, okay, being consistent, high quality care, and then maintaining like the SEO website stuff on the back end. With those two things set in place, over the course of time, it kind of became more hands-off a mm -hmm. little bit outside of the time it takes for me to put together the Instagram stuff. Um, so last year, I hired my I hired an assistant, and she was a game changer. Like to literally have somebody I could train to do all this extra busy work that I didn't have time to do, nor did right. I want to do, really allowed me to focus on patient care. Um, and then just have time to think and get creative with other, you know, if I wanted to host a workshop or if I wanted to reach a different type of audience, um, gave me more time to work on those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now my assistant takes over most of the SEO stuff that I need done, which is great. Um, she handles all the patient calls and scheduling and things like that. So just with the combination of those place, those things set in place and time, you know, my, my schedule was growing pretty consistently and I knew I only wanted to treat a certain amount of people every week. Mm -hmm. And so when I was maintaining that fairly easily, I started looking for other potential PTs. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So how many patients do you want to see a week? 
So typically I say between 15 and 20. Mm -hmm. Lately, I'm like 15 is kind of my happy medium. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah, me too. Like 26, I was like worn out. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have the energy to go work out. Mm -hmm. 14, 15. I was like, this is sweet. I could do this all day long. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so did you have to like work up to seeing 30 people a week before you hired them, your your PT? Um, or were you like, did you just have like, you were seeing your 15 and you had a wait list and you knew that they were going to be busy? Like, how did you come to that decision? And like, was there a number that you were relying on? Or were you just like, hey, this I took a leap when I started and it worked. Let me take this leap and see what happens. Yeah, so there wasn't a particular number. It was more about me feeling like I would find the right fit from mm -hmm. a PT standpoint. Because I think, you know, consistently treating 20 to 23 was a little too much. And so I did raise my prices a little bit, but I also was like, okay, I know if we just upped the marketing a little bit, I could get more people. Or if we backed down, I could get less people. So I kind of played with that a little bit mm -hmm. just so that I could have the time to find the right person. Yeah. And then when I found the right person, it was more like, okay, well, the, this is how many patients I need to keep for myself. Overflow can go to you, but I'm also going to help you, you know, get your name out there and, mm -hmm. you know, all of these, you know, other do doctors and chiropractors that I work with, they need to meet you and um, kind of help you be part of my brand. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like, okay, I'm at 30, I'm maxed out, can't do anymore. It was, okay, I'm going to play around with what I do from a marketing standpoint to increase or decrease my current flow. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I bring somebody on, I know all I have to do is increase the marketing a little bit and patients will come. Awesome. How'd you get her started and on board? Like, did you pay her per visit and say, hey, we're going to ramp you up or pay her a salary and say, as long as we can do this in the next three months, like we're good? Like what was, mm -hmm. what did that look like for you? Yeah. So paid her per visit. Um, and I put her through a three month orientation period, mm -hmm. um, to see for one, to just train her on the back end stuff. Um, but also to make sure this was a good fit for her because it's a very different setting. And then as you know, she succeeded well with the orientation period. And then I gave her a little bit more freedom. I still pay her per visit, but she has the ability to, earn more based off of how much other things she's doing. And I felt like, I, I don't think I was ready to give somebody a salary, um, no. especially, you know, this was during holiday time. So you're either really busy or nobody's coming in based off of who's traveling. Right. So I think just doing it that way for one helped her feel more motivated early on, but also took a little bit of the stress load off of me from a business standpoint. Yeah. And is that where you still, is that, the same relationship you have now or going forward is it gonna be the same like uh, pay per visit or where are some of the other incentives you have in place? Yeah, so she's still pay, for, pay per visit. Mm -hmm. um, she actually just stopped working part-time at her other job. Um, mm -hmm. So within the past few weeks, she's become more of a full-time availability. So what I offer to her from a benefit standpoint is two days a week, she's mentoring with me. So I'm yeah. having her you know, work with me and my patients I'm setting up a couple of like workshops we've done together mm -hmm. um, as well as, you know, taking her out and marketing and showing her the back end business things with the goal of, okay, over the course of, you know, now till June, these are the goals I have set for you. If you, if we can work well together and you continue to meet them, great. Then the incentives get higher and higher for yeah. reimbursement and things like that. Um, and then also, 
because I don't have like a strict, you know, PTO plan or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We've worked out a coverage um, agreement for, you know, when she wants to go out of town or when I go out of town and how we can both benefit from that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What's, uh, what's your long-term goal? with like with like with her like specific mm-hmm. specifically not Ellie, like what's your long-term goal with her like do you, where do you want her to be in a year so i want her to be seeing probably 10 to 15 patients consistently a week mm-hmm. um because i don't ever want her to feel overloaded um and i want her to keep giving that quality of care but i want it to be consistent enough so that you know i can bring on somebody else and i can open up you know, another location in another area of Austin, Mm -hmm. just because, you know, the need is everywhere. And so the more that I can have resources in other areas, the better for us. So long-term, if, you know, she can maintain that, then awesome. You can bring somebody else in and do it again. Yeah. Is is 10 to 15 people a week enough for someone like, whether it's her or like anyone, I mean, anyone, and we're, and I know, I don't know what you charge or what you're paying, mm-hmm. but like, is that enough patience for her to have a, like a full-time income and do the other things that she wants to do? Cause you know, so, you know like, and, and I will preface this in saying some people just want a job, right? Exactly. And some people want a good lifestyle and a good, you know, like in quality time with their patients, they're willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. money, job money for mm-hmm. quality. Right? right. So can you speak to some of that? Like, is that what she wants? Is that what you think? Like, like, is that comfortable for her? Is she still doing other things? Like, right. Yeah. yeah. So the last conversation about this we had, it was very much in line with what she wanted. Like, you mm-hmm. know, 15 is great. You spend so much time and energy each hour, but also following up with patients and, right. you know, communicating after the fact that she understands that that feels pretty full time. And then she doesn't want to feel like, you know, she's working on her off days or working on the weekends or things like Mm -hmm. that from a patient care standpoint. And from what she told me with what she's making 15 visits a week would obviously be fine to live off of. Mm -hmm. Um, She does have, I mean, she's married and she, no kids and things like that. So it's more of her just like wanting to do her fun things and, you know, have a fun job that she likes. Cool. Well, that's, I, I came a massage therapist so I could see four people a day and ride my bike for five hours a yeah. day, you know, cause I had other things I want to do in life. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, well, while we're on that topic, wh- you know, what are some of the other things you do? Can you tell us like about your day? Like what's your daily routine? Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing 15 patients a week, ideally, what are some of the other things that you're doing like in the business and like, you know, personally lifestyle, if you mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm a pretty routine type of person. So typically I'll start my day with a workout. Uh, I like to get moving. Uh, I have the most energy in the morning and it helps me kind of Mm -hmm. set the tone for the day. So I'm doing that every day. And then Mondays, I don't start treating patients until noon. Um, So that gives me some time to kind of start my week off on the right foot, prep Mm -hmm. from a business standpoint. Okay, what meetings do I have? What do I need to do? you know, prep for my patients. Tuesdays and Thursdays are my busiest days. So I'm here full time or full day treating patients. And then Friday mornings, I'm here as well. So Wednesdays, I take off completely for admin stuff, marketing, like in person. And then my online clients I'll see on Wednesdays or mm-hmm. Friday afternoons. So it kind of gives me a good balance of making sure I'm in the clinic and doing all the hands-on stuff, but also being able to work from home and get caught up with what I need to do from a business standpoint. Yeah. Awesome. What do you do like when you when you encounter a problem? Like when something's not working mm-hmm. or 
you're like, oh man, this is, you know, because being an entrepreneur is hard, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do in those moments? How do you kind of reset yourself and, and keep going? So part of it is trying not to overanalyze things because mm -hmm. yes, I like to be in control, but I also understand I can't control everything. Um, and so that's where, you know, self-care exercise, things like that come in very helpful for me. Um, we also like to travel a lot. So yeah. if I'm in a phase where things just aren't going my way or I'm getting too stressed, okay, we're going to take a weekend trip somewhere or, you know, we're going to go, you know, hike in this new area and kind of just decompress, be in nature mm -hmm. and reset the tone. Because honestly, losing sight of the big picture is so easy when you're just grinding day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And so realizing, okay, I started this business because I wanted a better quality of life. I wanted to not stress about these types of things. I wanted to have a lower level of stress. So I need to make sure that I prioritize that in my daily life. Otherwise, it's, it's going to catch up to me at some point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let, me, let me ask you, let me tell you what I think and you tell mm -hmm. me if you agree. And, you know, I think a lot of people want a work-life balance, right? Mm -hmm. And when I see that, I'm like, but if I'm doing what I want, like that's part mm -hmm. of my life. And I feel like work-life balance is a lot of times for people that don't like their work, mm -hmm. right? And I kind of see it like, well, there's like a mix, but I have to have a boundary, right? Exactly. Between work and personal life. Do you, do you agree with that? And then- Absolutely. Yeah. And so how do you keep that? Like, where's that boundary for you between work and home or work mm -hmm. and family? How do, you, mm -hmm. how do you manage that? Because that's always difficult. Yes, that is a very good point. Um, so I do love what I do. I do like, that's why I'm taking online clients now because I mm. like helping people. And so even if I'm working a late night or, you know, a Saturday afternoon or something like that, sometimes I forget that I'm working because I don't mind doing it. Right. And so if my partner reminds me, Hey, you need to put this down or you need to be present or you're, or we need to plan this. then I'm like, Oh, he's right. Like he kind of brings me back to that point of, okay, now this has crossed a boundary a little bit because it's affecting him or us. Mm -hmm. um, so typically that's my biggest reminder, but also too, if there's like a big family event that I need to fly home for, or, you know, something that I need to be doing, you know, in person and I'm trying to rearrange that around my business, I have to remind myself, okay, I love what I do. It's always going to be there, but my family is my priority. Right. Um, and so just kind of making sure to keep it top of mind, but on, but being thankful that, okay, I, I don't mind working this Saturday afternoon with this online client if I need to, because I enjoy it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Where, where are you going? Like, where are you going personally and professionally five years from now? Where do you see yourself? That is a good question. Sometimes, some days it changes. Ultimately, I do want to have more of a consistent online presence because mm -hmm. just with the people that I've worked with thus far, they've given me such good feedback and it's been so encouraging for me to realize that I'm helping people outside of just Austin. Mm -hmm. So I do really want to continue that avenue. But I also want to have, you know, a couple of locations of, you know, our physical presence yeah. because... I have some people that travel a decent amount of time. You know, I'm in central Austin. Most people don't live in central Austin. They're mm -hmm. living on the, in the suburbs and whatnot. So they're traveling to see me. And so if I could have a presence where they live in that area, I know it would open up a, a world to so many other people like them in those areas. Right. 
And so that's why I'm kind of, I'm very particular with who I hire, who I take on so that I make sure, okay, we're building this solid foundation here in six months. I want to open up, you know, this spot in this area of town, um, and then kind of continue, you know, growing in Austin. I don't yet know if I want to, so I'm from Idaho. I still mm-hmm. hold my Idaho license. So I've considered, you know, having a physical presence there. I'm not sure yet if I want to get too crazy though, because that work-life balance, I also want to yeah. enjoy going home <laughs> and enjoy, you know, things not work-related. So Right. Do you see um, yourself living in Austin like for the rest of your days or is this like, you know, like fun and Idaho is like the long-term place? So I love Austin. I'm very content here. My partner loves the mountains um, and mm-hmm. he grew up in Texas. So at some point may or may not move to the mountains, you know, whether it's Idaho or Colorado, but I'm very content here. So mm-hmm. our winters are like 70 degrees and sunny. Yeah. So I'm not ready to leave anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Austin's on my uh, list of places to visit. We were driving from where was I? I was driving with my wife before she was my wife. We were driving from California to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And we were coming through Texas. So like, oh, we're going to Austin, of course. Oh, yeah. And then we were just like, well, it's going to be a few hours out of our way. Yep. And we'd rather go to New Orleans and spend an extra day there. So we, yeah. we skipped over Austin, Texas. Um, yeah. And I got pulled over in Mississippi on the way out of uh, New Orleans. So Oh, really? Yeah. So I haven't, I, I've been back to New Orleans. haven't been back uh, down to Austin, but uh, I hear yeah, it's a it's fun great. place to be. It's so fun. I love it. Let me know when you come out and visit. All right. We'll definitely do. I, the barbecue is pretty good there too, right? Yes. They have really good food. Yeah. All types yeah. of food. So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Jessica, I want to ask a couple um, specific questions. Like I wanted to stay like in, the, in the, like, the strategy and how you're doing and successful. And I want to know now, I just want to ask one or two things. Like what are the one or two things that you could recommend for someone who's like, okay, I want to grow my Instagram account or my social media. I know you've done really well with Instagram and you mentioned it. Like, what are the one or two things that you've done or that you do on a regular basis to get the most growth or engagement for your account that maybe people are missing or, mm-hmm. or, they, or they are like, they're looking over and thinking, well, I need to be doing this other thing, but you're really doing something mm-hmm. that they, they missed. Do you know what I'm asking? Well, I think the most important part is just being consistent Mm -hmm. is a big thing, especially early on. If you don't really have a following, it takes a lot of time and effort um, Mm -hmm. to build up. Um, Another thing that I try to be, you know, as good as I can be with it is engagement. So people that are commenting or sending me messages, things like that. I try to respond to literally everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And I try to make it personalized um, just because they value, there's a lot of PTs out there, you know, doing Instagram and it's hard to, you know, work all day and then have energy to answer messages and questions and emails and things like that. Um, But I appreciate the fact that they, you know, they're wanting to learn more about their body. And so they're asking mm-hmm. me this specific question. And so I do try my best to just engage as much as I can with my followers. I do need to get a little bit better about actually doing, you know, video, live videos and whatnot. Um, but just, you know, as much as I can answering people's questions, giving like appreciating the feedback that they give mm-hmm. me, and then also trying to help direct them as best as I can has yeah. been very helpful because they've, I mean, multiple people will tell me, oh, okay, I'm referring this person to you, or I've already recommended. So I know it's working in some way, shape or form to the people that can benefit the most. Um, And so I just try to stay as targeted as I can to who I'm actually trying to help. Mm. 
do you have like a content strategy or you just kind of put up things that you think people want or people have asked you multiple times about? So definitely I'll take, like I make a list of all the requests I get. So I do put things out that people are wanting. I also will look at my Instagram analytics and see what types of posts are performing the best or which ones get the most engagement or shares, things like that so that I know what body parts to do more posts on. Mm -hmm. Um, So those two things probably help drive my content creation the most. And then I just try to hit every body part in some way, shape or form fairly consistently. Awesome. Is it, uh, are you sticking mostly to like pelvic floor issues and women mom stuff or is it pretty much? No, um, actually I do a lot of shoulder and a lot of low back Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of hip just based off of request. So for the pelvic floor stuff, I'll throw it in maybe once every two weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's so much other things that I get requests for in addition to. Um, And a lot of them are correlated, like low back pain. I will make specific for postpartum moms as well as just the chronic pain um, type of situation. But I try to, I also know my audience. I can, I can see how mm-hmm. old they are, where they're from, you know, gender, stuff like that. So I also try to make it applicable to all those variables. Yeah. It sounds like you're very analytical. Like you've already mentioned multiple times, like you, you, you look at your <laughs> analytics, which I think I is great word. because for me, sometimes I'd rather go on feel, right? Mm-hmm. And my, my real question is like, one, clearly it's working for you, but how do you not get stuck in analyzing things mm-hmm. over and over and over again, and actually taking the information that you gather and putting it into action. Mm-hmm. I've heard this a few times. I can't remember who I first heard it from, mm-hmm. but somebody said imperfect action is better than perfect action sometimes. Right. And so I have to make sure I'm putting, I'm taking action in some way, shape or form Mm -hmm. because it is very easy, especially like when I was putting together the pelvic floor course, it's very easy to try to make everything perfect and how it should be for all different areas of the business. And then when I just kind of let go and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to put this post out there and then I'm just going to go treat. And it typically ends up working out better from a flow state just with that. So I think part of it has just been over the course of time, I've realized, okay, I need to have this balance in order for things to actually work the way I want them to. Um, And so I think just an awareness has helped. Like, yeah, the analytics are important. They help drive a lot of decisions and a lot of things that I choose to put my time into. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I just have to let it be and know that I've set up, you know, the things that I need to and everything else will work out in its own way. That's awesome. That's powerful. Cause I think a lot of people get stuck there and they mm-hmm. go, Oh, it's, it's not perfect. It's not ready. Or, Oh my God, look at these numbers. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm even afraid of the numbers. I want to go look at numbers, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh. so that's great. And uh, thanks for sharing that. I think, um, my, my only other question I want to ask before we, we finish up, well, I got two more questions. I got a lot okay. of questions, but one I want to kind of dive into and just for a moment, why is it that do you think, well, I see that a lot of women who in pelvic and, and pelvic pain, pelvic floor specialists, like when they get in, they get it right. Like there's such a high need in that population of people that need our therapy. Mm-hmm. Like it works really well. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I think that there's something, whether it's uh, our society or what we're learning or not learning in PT school, where I know that people out there have a heart, like other therapists and business owners have a hard time finding physical therapists that want to do pelvic floor therapy, you know, mm-hmm. who aren't scared of it or intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. Do you see the same thing happening? 
Yes and no. So being in the pelvic floor community, I have the luxury of being surrounded by a lot of people that aren't scared of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of met that group of people who love to talk about it, love to educate about it, yeah. love to work with it. So that has been very helpful. But I also like, you know, past PT coworkers and whatnot, they, they don't want to touch it. They don't want anything to do with it. And so in a sense, it's kind of nice because they know that I love doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, they're a referral source for me in that yeah. way. But also to just educating them like, well, this patient you've been seeing for chronic low back pain or chronic hip pain, you know, have you thought about referring to a pelvic floor therapist for this, you know, area of the body that is very important that you just haven't physically addressed? Um, So it is nice being in the pelvic floor community because I know the people that are going to be thinking like me, but Mm -hmm. also just educating everybody else on, okay, if you don't want to do it, that's great. Send them to me. I'll help you out and then we can work together. Yeah. Awesome. What, uh, like, what would you say to someone who is thinking about, let's say, even just getting in and becoming a pelvic floor therapist right now? Like, what would be the best path for them to start, or best things for them to to learn, or I don't know, get over themselves about? You know, if they know, like, I think, but like, because I can imagine there are people out there that don't have the clinical mentorship or mm-hmm. someone who's a, can be a good example for what it really is. And I know mm-hmm. from my experience, not everyone needs internal work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, I think that's what is really intimidating for a lot of therapists. So right. something you can share, you know, for people who might be listening. Yeah. Know. The internal part can be intimidating, um, especially early on, but mm-hmm. even, you know, let's say you take, take a pelvic floor course, even with that knowledge, you can treat so many things externally mm-hmm. with the, your knowledge driving your decision-making. And honestly, because I was, you know, the same way I was scared about all the internal stuff went to the first course and after three days of doing it, I was like, this is not a big deal. And I can see how helpful this is. So after one course, I was like, oh, this is not a big deal at all. The the benefits are far, you know, superior. But also too, if there are patients that I meet with and they are hesitant about, you know, pelvic floor or going internal, that's totally fine. I have so much more education now to know what we can be looking at or doing mm-hmm. externally or even just verbally in cueing or mindset or things like that, that can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are so many things that pelvic floor therapy can offer outside of just the actual internal work. Right. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that either I didn't ask or that you'd like to share uh, for someone who might be listening, whether they're thinking about getting started or they've already started practice, but yet they're struggling with like not just patients, but their time, like they're busy mm-hmm. or struggling growing. Like, is there something that you've encountered or learned that you think people should know? I think mentorship is just so valuable. There are so many different avenues to educate yourself, whether it's PT specific, whether it's business specific, whether it's communication or how to talk to patients or people in general. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm a big component of like knowing how to talk to people. Like if you learn how to talk to people, everything else is going to work out. So often we'll overthink, you know, oh, well, these are the laws for this, or this is the rule for this, or I have to meet this business requirement, but they don't know how to get there because they Mm -hmm. don't know how to communicate. Um, And so if you just understand how to communicate, then that's going to help every other area of your business and all your relationships and everything is just going to fall into place from Mm. that type of skill. Awesome. What's the number one thing people need to know 
to improve their communication skills? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> like listen to understand, not necessarily to respond. Yeah, that's um, is a big thing, yep. and it can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's sometimes what we can do really well as PTs when we have mm -hmm. time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Listen to understand, not to respond. Yeah. Right. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Uh, thank you very much. You're um, welcome. If someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing, where can they find you online or Instagram or wherever? Yeah. Else? Um, so social media wise, Instagram is probably the best, um, mm -hmm. at Dr. Jessica PT is my handle. Um, otherwise pacept.com is my website. So they can always send me an email off of that. Or mm -hmm. if they're in the Austin area, um, look me up, come stop by. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. I really appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for all the education that you put out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I just, I love doing it. Sometimes I can't stop. Good. Good. We all need it. <laughs> I know. Well, thanks Jessica for being here. Uh, this is the Cash PT Lunch Hour. This is Aaron LeBauer, Jessica Wernke, and um, go all in. Don't be afraid to uh, ask for help and uh, do it for your patients, not for mm -hmm. me, not for the conversation or the response, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next show. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And when you get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.